Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you started teaching on a very important topic, walking in love, walking in love. And uh, I define love as an intense feeling of deep affection towards someone or something. The book of Ephesians chapter 5 has been our very key scripture from verse 1. It said, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. The book of Ephesians opens in chapter 5 by saying that imitate God as dear children. Now, the reason why the Bible says you should imitate God is because we are children of God and naturally children take up similarities with their parents. Children take after a lot of similarity with their father. And so the Bible says that we are dear children, not just any kind of children. We are dear children. That means children of God that are very precious, precious to God. We are dear children. So imitate God. To imitate God means we should become like God in character. We should display the character of God in our day-to-day life. The only way you can say that someone is your father is when you are able to show from day to day and from time to time very, very obvious features in your life that is similar to that of the person you call your father. You cannot say God is your father and your character is exactly opposite that of God. So you cannot be a child of God who is ungodly and say you are a child of God. Your confession and your behavior does not correspond. So it says that we should imitate God. You know, this scripture helps us to understand that the traditional preaching of holiness, the traditional definition of what holiness is, is very, very flawed. The typical Pentecostal preachers, when they say be holy, they are trying to tell you, do what the Ten Commandments says. Don't steal, don't commit fornication, don't commit adultery, don't tell lies, you don't drink alcohol, you don't smoke, you don't fornicate, you don't commit adultery, you don't lie, then you are holy. You know, so a typical Pentecostal preaching on holiness is always hitting hard on a few practices that is common to every unbeliever. But when you study the New Testament, when the Bible said be holy, for instance, in the book of First Peter chapter 1, verse 16, 1 Peter 1, 16, it says, because it is written, it is what? Written. Be What? Holy. Why? For I am holy. So 
if you want to know the true definition of holiness, holiness simply means the character of God. Holiness means what? The character of God. Be holy because I, God, I am what? Holy. So when the Bible said be holy, he's actually trying to say, let your character be like God's character. Let your character be like what? God's character. And that is why Ephesians 5 verse 1 is very important. Because Ephesians 5 verse 1 is really what teaches us how to live holy. He said, imitate God as dear children. Look at God, how he is, and pattern your life after God. And how do you do that? Verse 2 says, walk in love. How? As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. So the char- what is the character of God? That's an important question. If holiness is the character of God, what is the character of God? The Bible teaches us that the character of God is love. First John chapter 4, from verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. God is what? Come on, talk to me. God is what? Love. The character of God is love. You can't say you are close to God, you walk with God, or you even know God. When your character is not love, but hatred. So what is the definition of ungodliness? Ungodliness is simple. Absence of love. Absence of love. Absence of love. So holiness is not that I don't commit adultery. I don't fornicate. I don't steal. I don't tell lies. I don't drink alcohol. Then I'm holy. That's not, that's not Bible. Hello? Am I saying you go ahead and fornicate? No. Am I saying go ahead and, and commit adultery? No. Am I saying go ahead and t- tell lies? No. But the fact that you do these things, you, the fact that you don't commit adultery, you don't fornicate, you don't drink alcohol, you don't smoke cigarettes, you don't go to the shrine, and the fact that you don't tell lies does not mean you are holy when you still hate people. Hello? You hate people big time. You are very unforgiving. You are very proud, arrogant, rude. You look down on people. You are very lustful. You see, holiness is not outward practices. It's a matter of the heart. So the Bible says in Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart. That is holiness. The thoughts first. Blessed are the what? Pure in heart. That is holiness. In the book of Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says that there are certain things God hates. God hates them. 
And when you hear that God hates certain things, what will come to your mind immediately should be that number one should be what? Adultery, isn't it? Number two, fornication. Number three, drinking alcohol. Number four, smoking. Number four, lying. You know, the things we hear every day as preached as holiness. You know, they are the things that will strike your mind when you hear that God hates certain things. But he said, these six things the Lord hates. And the seventh is an abomination to him. That one, the seventh one, he can't stand it at all. Now, if you look at the list, you'll be surprised. The first one is pride. Number two, a lying tongue. Number three, hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that defies, devises what? Wicked plans. Somebody sitting down, he's smiling at you, but his mind is busy fabricating mischief. Mischief. There are people as very diabolic. They go to church, they speak all the religious jargons, and they, they look pious on the outside, but they are very, very vicious. They would destroy you better than an unbeliever could do. And they are in church. And they are the ones who preach holiness. A heart that devises wickedness. You know, church people can coach you how to be so evil that you wonder where you are. It's a feet that are swift in running to evil. So the Bible teaches us very important practical truths. It says, imitate God as dear children. God is love. Anyone who does not love does not know God yet. You've been hearing about him, you've been talking about him, but you don't know God. And it's very important for us to understand what is love. There are many Greek words that is interpreted as love, many of them. I think about four or five. But only two are mentioned in the New Testament. These two is filio and agape. The word filio means brotherly love. It means tender affection that exists between two friends. And the second word is agape, which is sacrificial, unconditional love. I also thought that there are two different kinds of love. First one is natural love, and the second is divine love. Every human being has the ability to love. We call it natural love. But natural love is performance-centered. It's a result of something. Even unbelievers can, can love. All of us, before we knew Christ, we were telling people we love them. But if you investigate that love, it has something to do with some, some expectations. When it is absent, that love disappears. It is self-centered. It is conditional. So when somebody says he loves you, it's because of something he could get from you. That is why people tell you they love you, and the next minute, they don't love you. That's why people tell you, hey, you are my everything, and the next minute, you are nothing. <laughs> because... What he's getting from you, he can't get it anymore. So natural love is not anything to write home about. Natural love um, is not sustainable. It's not beneficial. Most of the time, natural love benefits the person who is saying, I love you. Most of the time, if somebody tells you, I love you, he's telling you something that will not benefit you. It will benefit him. And if he doesn't get that benefit again, you won't hear that statement, I love you. So when we study scripture, we get to see that when God says, walk in love, he was not talking about natural love. He was not talking about natural love because that doesn't achieve anything. It doesn't achieve anything. 
there is another kind of love called divine love. Divine love is sacrificial. Divine love is constant. Divine love is unconditional. It is not explainable. It is not a reason. Divine love is a decision that is made by people. So the book of Colossians 3 verse 12 tells us that all Christians have the ability to walk in divine love. All human beings can walk in natural love, but unbelievers cannot walk in divine love. Divine love is only possible for people who know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Divine love is possible for people who know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So, Colossians 3 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another as if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Above all these things, put on what? Then to and tell him, put on love. That means love is something you put on. It's not there naturally. When you be, give your life to Jesus and become born again, you have to be taught what divine love is, what true love is, and then you put it on. That means you commit yourself to walking in love. The Bible said in Ephesians 5, when that we walk in love, Ephesians 5, to say walk in love, and, and Colossians um, 3, verse 14, is saying put on love. It means that it is a, love is a decision. True love is a decision. It's not a feeling. So when you hear people saying, oh, I, I'm having feelings for that brother, it's natural love. If someone is having feelings for you, it's dangerous. Because that feeling can fizzle. And every married person will tell you, marriage is not sustained by feelings. By the time the marriage is one year old, all those Wonderful feelings disappear. And the rest of the marriage will work based on the decisions made by the two, the couple. Because true love is not a feeling. It's a decision. True love is what? True love is what? A decision to commit your affection. To commit your affection unconditionally towards people. It's a decision to commit your affection unconditionally to people. When we talk about love, uh, we, we get to admit the fact that love is part of our emotions. Is it not true? Love is part of our emotions. And uh, the important thing that the scriptures teaches us is that God puts different kind of emotions in our lives for a reason. Different kind of emotions. Emotions like ability to love, ability to hate, ability to be happy, ability to be sad, ability to feel worried, ability to be sorrowful, ability to be excited. Different kinds of emotions. When people are diagnosed as depressed, it means only one emotion is 
functioning. The rest are all destroyed. So depressed people, only one emotion is maybe, yeah, only one. But a normal human being must have all the emotions functioning. But what the word of God teaches us to do is to know when each emotion is supposed to manifest. To know when each emotion is supposed to manifest. Yeah. So, if you are bereaved, definitely you should be sad. If you are bereaved and you are not sad, it gives cause for worry. If something good happens to you, you are supposed to be happy. You are supposed to be excited. We need to understand that none of the emotions God put in us is evil. But the emotions are misplaced or wrongly directed, it becomes problematic. What the devil tries to do is to make you to not express your emotions properly. So when somebody is depressed, even if good things are happening, he can, the person cannot be happy. The person cannot be excited. The person cannot be happy. He's sorrowful. He's sad. The whole world is dark to a depressed person. No hope. I want to say that hatred is not a bad emotion. Hatred is very, very important. But how do you direct your hatred to? That is the issue. God's word teaches us that we are not supposed to direct hatred to human beings. Nobody for so ever. It doesn't even matter what the person has done to you. It doesn't matter if the person is your enemy or attempted to kill you. Hatred is not something God put in your heart to direct to people. He put it in your heart to direct it to negative things like failure, like poverty. If you hate failure, you are bound to be successful. You, you will never see any excuse to fail. But the problem with us Christians is that Satan works on our mind through our ignorance to direct all our hatred to a few people and not to him. Yeah, there are people who don't hate the devil and they don't hate the world for that matter. There are Christians who love the things of the world. Every practice in the world, they like it. Every demonic activity, they will tell you is nothing. It's one of those things. It won't do anything wrong. So there are people who go to church. They participate in every demonic activity, rituals, everything. They, they have no hatred for the devil. But there are certain people who mention their name. Hey! And that is how the devil messes up the strength and the power of Christians and makes them complete failures and set them up to, to self-destruct. There are people who do everything that is done in the world and tell you there's nothing wrong with it. But do you know what the Bible said in 1 John 2.15? They say, love not the world. In other words, hate it. Hate the world. I've never seen anywhere in the Bible, the Bible said we should hate Satan. But it said we should hate the world. You know why? Because the world is where Satan hides to lure Christians to himself. You cannot love the world and hate the devil because he's the master of the world. And when I say the world, I mean the system that rules this present age, contrary to God's original design. 
everything worldly is wrong, no matter how sensible it is to you. Ungodliness is ungodliness. The Bible's advice to us, instructions to us, is to walk in love. That means you direct all your hatred to the right places. Hate the things of the world with passion. Otherwise, you will soon become ungodly and not even know it. Hate all the ungodly practices. Hate everything that is a threat to God's plan and purpose for your life. You must hate failure. You must hate failure. You must hate failure. Why should you love failure and hate human beings? Don't you see something is wrong with that? What do you achieve at the end of your life? That you are a successful hater, but you achieve nothing in your lifetime. And the sad thing about hatred is we pass it on. So there are generational conflicts in certain families, in certain tribes, Wars that have transcended 100 years. People pass on the hatred. to the hatred. And you go to those places where there are those wars. What development do you see? Nothing. My grandmother came from a town. And uh, when you go there now, because of wars, you won't see any elderly man in the village. The elderly people are like Julius. This age. They are the elderly men. You see elderly women, but no elderly man. Because by the time you are 12, they will initiate you, because of wars, they will initiate, whether you like it or not, even when you go to, even if you are a pastor, you have to be initiated into all manner of rituals and powers so that you can be strong and ready for war. For you to have any other aim in life, you have to get out of that village. You have to get out of that village. And the question is, is it worth it? Oh, no development. It's a village, and it remains a village. And innocent blood is shed for countless decades. And people are still ready any moment to shed more blood and invite more curses. And when you go and find out what started this war, you will be shocked. It's something flimsy and trivial, not important. Yeah, what started the war? You will be surprised. You know, some land from the village to where the land is, it's like from here to it's far. I think it should be like from here to maybe Pram Pram or Ningo area. And it's behind the mountain. So not everybody can even go there. It's a parcel of land. That they are fighting over. Now, the interesting that nobody cultivates that land anymore because when you go, you die. So, that land, the land itself is not useful to the two villages. And now there's another country that is Singapore, is a very small country. It's one city. That is, the whole country is just one city. The whole country is just one small city. They don't have enough land to even be fighting over. The development in Singapore, because people decide to just, you know, focus their energy and their effort on the right things. Because hatred directs your energy. When you wake up, you think about what the person did to you. You think about it. Then everything else is put aside. Now you have to focus and think and think. And you are angry. 
you're, you're, you are, you are boiling and you are, you know, and the person is far away. Enjoying his life. And you are, you have messed up your whole, the whole environment where you are is now messed up with negative energy. Yeah. Smart people, they work in love. Smart people, they do what? They work in love. Smart people work in love. Because the important thing is that bad people are not worth a place in a smart person's mind. Can I say that again? Bad people, they are not worth a place in a smart person's mind. You have better things to put in your mind than one bad person who decided to be evil. Who will reap the consequence of his actions anyway? Without whether I hate him or not, what people sow, they reap. So the person is going to reap what he sowed. Why would I waste my energy and my time? Now, I want to take you through a scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. I call it the, the importance of love. The importance of walking in love. Why is it very important to walk in love? He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. In other words, I have become a noisemaker. A noisemaker. A noisemaker. He said, verse 1. So, this scripture teaches us that all your spirituality without love is, is zero. You can't be. So, you see, when we say somebody is close to God, it's not the one whose tongue is the most loudest. It's not the one when he's shaking. When he's praying, when he's praying, the building is shaking. Is they are not the most people closest to God, because this church, it was a very powerful. The Corinthian church was very powerful. They had unusual manifestations of the supernatural and, and miracles in the church. But Paul was trying to let them know that is no sign of closeness to God. In fact, the closest people to God are not even the people who see visions. Because ability to see visions is a gift. Is what? A gift. And if any of you have that gift, irrespective of whether you are close to God or not, you can see. That's why unbelievers can see. I started having dreams, clear dreams that happened when I was an unbeliever. <laughs> yeah, I dream and it happens. Long before I became born again. So visions is not a sign of closeness to God. If you are not careful, you put in so much effort and, and absence of love will render it zero for you. The Bible says that all your tongues, tongues of men, tongues of angels, you can speak tongues, but without love, it's noise. It is what? Noise. Not only noise, empty noise. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have no love, I am nothing. I am nothing. Somebody say, I am nothing without love. Before God, 
the people who are real deal in God's sight are not the people when they touch somebody, they fall under the power. They are the people who walk in love. He said, if I have the gift of prophecy, I understand mysteries. So spirituality without love is zero. The first one is powerful prayer without love is zero. It's nothing. The second importance of love is that spirituality without love is fake. Lack of love makes your spirituality a fake one. Oh, the Lord just spoke to me. Oh, the Lord has been touching me. Oh, the Lord has been dealing with me. It's all fake. Fake. It's all what? Fake. The third one is that faith without love, it produces nothing. That's why some of you say, I'm believing God, I'm believing God. The, the, thing is not be, the thing is not believing. The believing is not working for you. Oh, I'm believing God. How long have you been believing God for one thing? He said, if I have all faith, faith to remove mountains by your own, you can't even remove an ant. Because you're walking in faith, but you hate people. That's why some, some, sometimes we, you believe, it takes you long for one thing to happen in your life. Then another long time. And you are wondering, what is wrong with me? It is this one. You are hateful. And you think that when you are hating the people, it will hurt them. But when you hate people, it hurts you. When you hate people, it doesn't hurt the people. The person you hate is enjoying himself somewhere by now. And they are knowing Pakistan, you may even see God blessing them. Because the fact that you hate somebody doesn't mean God is going to hate him. God is not part of your pettiness. <laughs> God doesn't take part in your pettiness. And so when you take responsibility for dealing with the person, God will say, okay, take, handle it yourself. I won't even come there. Anytime you take responsibility, this issue, I won't leave it. I'm handling it myself. God said, okay, I'll leave it for you. <laughs> because it's God who said, vengeance is mine. Now you have said, God, you... Son aside, vengeance is now mine. God said, okay, the two people cannot be dealing with one offense at the same time. Yeah, so powerful prayer without love is zero. It produces no results. True spirituality without love is fake. And faith without love is unproductive. Verse 3. And this, this one is a serious one. Great giving without love produces no results. So I give and give and give. There are some people, if they give you anything, there's a string attached. They don't give it to you out of love. They give it to you because they have an agenda on your life. There are people when they tell you, come when you need help, it's bad news because there's no love. It's bad news. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, Sometimes the, one of the ways to come out of poverty is not take money from certain people. Because there are some people, when you take anything from them, you are finished. Because they are not giving it out of love. That's why sometimes I realize that God will touch people not to help you. Because they don't love you in the first place. But sometimes we don't understand God. God, give him no peace, no rest. Deal with his heart. Touch him, touch him, touch him. God will, God will not even mind you. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> because your prayer is unscriptural and it's contrary to the will of God. He said, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. It profits me nothing. So great giving without love is unprofitable. Great giving without love is unprofitable. Every act of giving. Do you, do you now understand why God accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain's offering? If somebody tells you all God wants is your money, the person lied to you. Your money is important to God, but your heart is more important to God. Your heart is more important to God. Your heart is more important. Jesus said, if you bring your offering to the altar and you realize that you have an issue with somebody, don't take the offering away because you may not bring it back. We can't trust that you bring it back. You know, I love Jesus' teaching on that issue. He said, Leave the offering on the altar. You, and then go and sort out issue with the person. And then you come and now say the prayer, Lord, I'm giving this offering for breakthroughs. Now, how many of you think that you give and give and give on this altar because of your hatred for somebody? All that you are giving is benefiting you nothing. And now you are even questioning this giving thing. When somebody say, hey, I sowed seed and somebody just walked in and gave me lunch. I was saying to myself, lunch is more than one of these uh, money. That, that, that lunch must be a big lunch. Just lunch. Somebody got lunch unexpectedly. Because the person comes Christmas. Now he came in August. It must be God. Now, how come you? nobody gives you lunch? For you, it, even if they don't give you land, if they give you a, a whole lifetime breakthrough, it's not going up to half of this. God is not partial. I said God is not partial. Whatever you see, you hear God doing for somebody in this church is to tell you you are supposed to be enjoying the same. If you are not enjoying the same, there must be something you are not doing right. That is why the word of God is important. And when we come to say, you must open your heart and listen to the word of God and ask yourself, what is God saying to me? And what am I supposed to be doing with what I'm hearing? Great giving without love is unprofitable. Verse 4 says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. That means love is not boastful. Love is not puffed up. That means it's not proud. Verse 5. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. It's not selfish. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Suspicion. Everybody, you are suspicious. <laughs> when I'm suspicious of everybody, you are not working in love. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. When you hear evil, that's when you're, you are excited. Anytime something bad happens to somebody, you are happy about it, it's going to happen to you. Did you hear what I said? Never forget this. Anytime you are excited about bad things that happen to people, prepare for yours. It will happen for you, no matter how you pray. Because the scriptures cannot be broken. You cannot use prayer to break scriptures. Are you following me? Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in 
the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. That means it's constant. If it's of God, it's always there. If that love is of God, it's always constant. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But I heads, ask the Lord to help you. You don't want to keep living a life that is ungodly. You want to live a life that glorifies God, that draws you closer to God. Ask the Lord to teach you and to help you to walk in love. In the name of Jesus, lift up your voice and pray. Lift up your voice and talk to God. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, blessed be your name forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.